Should a writer of fiction remain neutral about current political situations for fear of alienating readers? In this age of Russia election interference and what has happened since as many countries fall victim to propaganda and hate speech, followed by the assault on reason in the U.S. Is it really the best strategy for a writer to be neutral? Do writers really think if they just coast through the turbulent times and wait for the day free speech is once again fashionable, they will keep their readers? I posited that question to members of Ali, the Alliance of Independent Authors and received some interesting responses. What I gathered from their comments is that writers, if they choose to voice their political opinions must be prepared for hackers and trolls to attack them. That is my biggest worry, being attacked by hackers, maybe even having some crazy person with a gun knock on my front door. The least of my worries though is that readers who don't share my politics will shun my books. I've never tried to appeal to a mass audience, so I'm not worried about readers, who don't share my politics, ignoring my books. What's so odd about the responses I got from my fellow writers at Alley was my reaction to their posts. Having written three books and self-published them, struggling to understand the maze that is the gigantic self-publishing industry where writers are preyed upon by shady vanity presses, I empathized with my fellow writers who fear alienating readers. As a writer, I can appreciate the pain of working hard on a book just to have readers complain it offends their conservative or liberal leanings. And when you're an unknown self-published writer with a business to run, your reputation is part of your product and critical for future sales. Photo by Pixabay on Pexels.com But I also know that just being a writer is, in itself, controversial. When I tell people I'm a writer and in the course of our conversation they learn I'm a self-published writer some people are instantly dismissive while others are curious. Being a traditional or independent author is a statement and is seen as political, even sometimes considered downright radical. I also discovered when reading other writers' responses Tommy question, that being political depends upon the writer's genre. If writers write romance or mystery stories keeping politics out of the fiction is encouraged, while writers who write non-fictional pieces covering current issues say they don't care if readers find their books controversial, since they are writing to a specific audience. I don't write non-fiction, I write fiction and poetry, being neutral won't work for me. As I wrote in my post on Facebook, should a writer remain neutral about current political situations for fear of alienating readers? I can't do anything about what I've already blogged and tweeted but maybe I should dial back a bit. Yet, I don't feel reversing course will do any good. It feels dishonest. I ask for guidance from alley writers because I was getting conflicting information online. I'm glad I did. Their suggestions have been extremely helpful. After some thought, I've decided that reversing course won't work for me, not during these troubling times, when everything you post is online for eternity. I've already burned my neutral persona bridge. I've been blogging and tweeting about the cronyism and public grifting going on in the White House since the current president's inauguration, especially after he demanded his press secretary share the lie about the size of his inauguration with the world. Having spent my childhood among people who lie habitually, I'm especially attuned to the myriad methods liars use to persuade you to believe them. And after working in the field of customer service for nearly 40 years, I've been forced to deal with the occasional habitual liar, some dangerous and some so obvious they would make you laugh. Like the guy who had several conflicting stories prepared to explain his reason for pretending to be his grandfather when he obtained his credit card using his grandfather's personal information. He said he'd forgotten that he was blank, blank, the third. Did he forget what year he was born also and decided to be 50 years older than he looked? Or how about the jerk who told me it was the credit bureau's fault he was late on his mortgage payments, 
and I should be ashamed of myself for ruining his chances at buying a new car, didn't I know how rich and important he was. The most shameless lie of all was when my mother and I were driving to Arizona and a dust storm engulfed our vehicle within seconds. Wary in the middle of nowhere on a two-lane highway. For the longest time wet cold only creep along hoping we wouldn't hit anyone or get run over by a semi. With relief the dust storm began to dissipate, and we glimpsed what looked like a rooftop a few feet away. As we turned onto the side road, wary hoping it might be a gas station. We were low on fuel and hungry. We both sighed in relief at the sight of the gas pumps and the tiny shop next door. A mechanic came running out of the garage and said to my mother in a tone suggesting he was a disinterested concerned citizen, I could see as you pulled into the station that your tire needs replacing. We can change your tire in no time at all, just pull your car into the garage. My remark to my mother at his outrageous lie was greeted with a scowl from the mechanic, Mom. How could he see anything when we couldn't even see the road? You're probably asking, but doesn't everyone lie? No. Note everyone lies. Not everyone has to lie. When I left home at 18, it discovered a world where people didn't need to lie every minute of every day or exaggerate their accomplishments to impress strangers or assume any compliments spoken were meant for them. It was so refreshing to be among people who admitted their mistakes and their weaknesses and didn't boast or put on airs. Before the internet liars could lie and get away with their whoppers without being caught. With the creation of the internet we can now verify information and unmask those who attempt to muddle important issues with lies. Unfortunately, the internet has also provided numerous dead ends where a person receives the wrong information and without critical thinking skills perpetuates the lie by sharing it with the world. With all a person can find out about people you would think lying would be more difficult in the age of Facebook, Twitter and Google, yet, that converse has happened, lying has become more ubiquitous, even fashionable. It was always fashionable for politicians, but really? Everyone else? Do average citizens who are not politicians or celebrities really need publicists and spinto make them look good these days? Come on. Where will it stop? Will we end up mistrusting everyone, wondering whether a date or a co-worker is really telling truth or just trying to impress us? Now lying is fashionable among fringe religious groups, cable news stations and the current POTUS. He is now at 12,000 lies and the lies are increasing exponentially even as you read this post. I'm especially sick of cable news stations with clickbait headlines which turn out to be a hamburger bun with no meat and just a few dollops of ketchup. They don't consider clickbait headlines to be lies, that's just doing business. Even before the internet I'd begun to hone my lie detecting skills. Since I'm the kind of person who is embarrassed for others who lie, he won't immediately challenge their lie. Instead, I'll go home and think about what I heard and wonder why they even bother to lie. Most of the time I feel sorry for them. Why go to so much trouble to lie if you're not in trouble with the law or a defendant in a court case? What I find the most incredible part off eyes new trend is that the liar appears to be emboldened by the lie, note embarrassed as most ethically minded people tend to be. Our current president is one of the worst liars ever, but because he is in a position of power, he can do the most damage to our country. As a self-published writer, I debated whether to involve myself in politics, worried I would alienate potential readers. Then I thought about the kinds of books I've always loved and the writers who write those books. I love science fiction, fantasy and mysteries. I love them because they address issues important to all of us. They imagine the worst and sometimes end badly, but he also include protagonists who fight to create better worlds. 
These writers take our lived experiences and move them into fictional worlds and address the politics of being a sentient creature living on a planet in a vast cosmos. They construct fictional worlds which address political issues everyone faces at some point. Even a cozy mystery includes a crime of some sort, most often a murder. And there are consequences for the ultimate crime of murder or there should be. I believe the best writing is writing that is honest. Stephen King's horror is not only about the monster under the bed but the monsters in charge of the prisons. C.J. Cherry and Frank Herbert's science fictions are about galactic wars, greed, cruelty and world-building gone crazy. Elizabeth Peters, Barbara Mertz, wrote cozy mysteries using strong intelligent female protagonists who solve crimes. Unlike real life, her criminals pay for their crimes. But her books aren't just fluff pieces, they also illuminate past and present life in the Middle East and the struggle for female emancipation. Writers who can write freely without fear of being imprisoned for their ideas or murdered for them are a necessary part of a democratic society. As of today, October 10, 2019 the United States of America is still a democracy and I hope we will remain a democracy for centuries to come, a place where my grandson will flourish and where his children will also flourish. And that is why I will continue to speak out against those who are determined to undermine our democracy. If by writing freely I lose a few potential readers along the way that is the price one pays in a democracy. No one is forced to read my books. I would have it no other way.